0: special treat for you. I have an interview with my client DL Sharon and this is just an opportunity for you to like be a fly on the wall as I say and we discuss all things. She's a business coach and I'm a life coach and so we talk about coaching, we talk about the value of coaching through the high achieving woman. She shares her thoughts on like why we side hustle which is very interesting. And I loved her explanation as to why we side hustle. I share minds. I even talk about my journey into coaching because she asked me that question, like, how did I get here? And I shared some things that I don't think I've ever shared on the podcast before. So you get to know a little bit about me through her questioning. But I love that we talk about the importance of having your success squad and what the impact it is for her to have a life coach as a part of her successful squad. I talk about what it is like, and then she goes in and starts sharing some of her favorite takeaways, some of her favorite, like surprisingly interesting coaching calls that we did where she didn't think something was going to come up and that it actually surprised her at, at the response. And also She talks about her favorite podcast episode and why and the impact of that one podcast episode. I say all that to say, listen in. This is going to be a good one. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. How y'all doing? Excited. Okay, guys, I have a special surprise for you. One of my valued clients and friends, she didn't know this, but I consider her a friend too. But when I'm coaching her, oh no, she's totally a client. (laughs) But soon as the 45 minutes is over with, then we go into friend zone. But I have one of my clients to talk about once again, the value of coaching. But I wanted to specifically bring her on because she represents that high achieving Black woman and that choice that we make to create a supportive environment for ourselves. And it is a choice. So I want to introduce DL and I want to let her tell her story all about herself, everything. And you guys are just going to listen as we flies on the walls because she's actually going to share this on her podcast too. So really this is a conversation between two coaches, one business coach, one life coach about the value of coaching. So DL, introduce yourself. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, hello. And I just want to first start out. I was just watching you on Zoom do that intro. And I'm just like, I'm in the presence of greatness. I am talking to Brig Johnson and just how amazing and special you are to me. So I just wanted to say that. But hello, my name is D.L. Sharon. I am a sales coach. I help women of color multiply their sales and create freedom. That's what my business does. Um, I have two amazing offers. I have a very fast-growing company, which I absolutely love. I love the work that I do with my clients and I'm just so proud of them. I'm also the host of the podcast, Black Banked Booked Out, where this will also be posted. And I am a high-achieving Black woman ever since I was a kid. I just knocked it out of the park. I've always had multiple things on my plate Same thing with like my business journey. Like I was a social worker by trade. I went to one of the top schools in the country for social work on a scholarship. And I got a job at Duke University at the age of 22. And I just started working. And I realized that this is not the vibe. This is not the move. I was only making $2,500 a month as a social worker. And I had over six figures in student loan debt. And I put the math together. I was like, and this math is not mathing. I'm going to need to try something else. And so I became a coach and I learned about the life coach school and I learned about mindset work and I completely fell in love. And I side hustled for a really long time. Like, I love all of your examples around how you were in your field of practice for years and years and you had a full practice load in your coaching business too same with me. So we both side hustled our butts off for years and years. And then once we were able to go full time, we both have multiple six figure businesses. That's exactly what happened to me as well. And the reason why I decided to have a life coach, you were my first life coach ever. I don't think you know that, but you're my first life coach ever. And Did not know this. <laughs> yes, my first one. You know, I just nom nom nom. I just ate up all the business coaching, right? right? And then I got to a point where I was like, okay, I know everything there. I have all the tools there. I don't need to aggressively feed the baby, quote unquote. Like I got this, and I'm in business programs, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I realized that my life was swirling more around in my head than my business. And I was like, this is interesting, right? Like the scale kind of tipped. And I was like, oh, I'm thinking more about my life issues, particularly relationships at the time. And now it's grown more into like my health and my identity. And I'm thinking more about those things then this launch or that project or getting clients. And so that's when I reached out and I was like, I think it's time for me to have like a life coach that I sit down with every single week, spend some time with and really start to work on my life together. So good. I didn't know that. I guess
0: because I knew you worked with another one-on-one coach and you worked with them extensively for like a year, a year and a half, two years. I don't know why I just never even considered it's like oh but I'm the first life coach that you worked with. Oh, so good. But let me ask you this. Being that you had a one-on-one experience before that was long-term and very productive for you, how important was it for you to find another coach or how difficult was it for you to find another coach that you could replicate that? It's like once you
1: know what this relationship is like. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's a good question. A little bit of like comparison, like, is it going to be the same? Am I going to connect the same way they just get me? Sure. It could be a little bit of that. And I felt like I already knew you from your podcast. And of course, like I said, I'm in the presence of greatness. It's Brick Johnson, right? I feel like I've already developed some sort of relationship with you already. But I remember our consult, like I was definitely a little nervous because I'm like, there's some things I got to talk about and I'm nervous to share them. And I think it was more nervous for me just to put them out in the world. Again, all these things were in my head. And for us to actually say something out of our mouth, like that meant that it was true. Like I was feeling this way or this was a problem for me or I was struggling that way. And so... I think it was more just I'm used to talking about all of my problems in business, but I really had to learn how to open up and talk about my problems in my life.
0: Mm, so good.
1: Yeah, I think as black women, we have a
0: tendency to like because we're in that survival mode It's like all hands on deck. Let mm. me get my business. Let me get my money straight because, you know, we grow up. I don't know about you, but my mother was like, keep your money together. Like, have you a little stash. I don't care how long you've been married. Like, so if you need to escape, go. And money has always been our answer, right? And so when we get to a point where we have a lot of money, then it's like, wait a minute. (laughs) my brain is still messing with me. And it's like, we've arrived. I remember someone, a friend of mine sent me a post of someone that said, I have the money. I have the car. I have the job. I have the office. I have the body. I have everything. And I am still not happy. What's wrong with me?
1: Right? Yeah, exactly. And that's all we talk about, and for a while, like when we think about like our ancestors, for a while, that's all there was to focus on because there was so much lack and so many things that were taken from us. Where that's all we had to focus on. Like I remember to this day, sometimes my father would be like, "Dl, when are you going to get your PhD?" And I make more money than him, right? And he's like, "When are you going to go get your PhD?" But in his world, in that time in his life where he was growing up, that was like the epitome, the place where a Black person was supposed to be successful is get the most education possible. And I look at him and I think about his health, right? Doesn't matter. He has to work his job. I think about so many other things in our lives that are being neglected. Doesn't matter. Have to work that job. And so when that job actually does well. And when you check off that box, I kind of feel like you go into the closet and you see all these other things and it could be overwhelming. And that's what I think one of the values of coaching is just the space to air it all out and just to name it and just to put it out there that like, these are the things that I need help with.
0: Yes. I think for me, one of my predominant thoughts is to have a place for the high chief Black woman to just unmask and be safe and say the shit she wants to say. I'm struggling with this and it be OK. And to create a container that no matter what you say, OK, let's go. Like literally. And I hope I create that sense of safety and acceptance in that for you, for
1: sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think. One of the the superpowers you have, Brick, is you're able to listen and just let me go. I'm like, Brick, I got seven things I want to talk about. No, i good and well. We ain't going to get to all seven right then and there, right? But just the space to be like, these are all my thoughts. I've been thinking all week. And then here they are. And then let's dive into one of them, I think is so helpful. Yeah, so good.
0: So good. So I consider myself part of your success squad for my one-on-one clients they don't need me, they're choosing me. But what does it mean to have someone in this capacity on your success squad for you? What's the impact of that for you?
1: Oh, that's such a great question. There's lots of different ways I want to answer that. I would first start off with, again, connecting it back to this thread of like the ability to work on my life. I never realized the impact of, you know, we did a lot of relationship work together. Like my friendships, my relationship with my husband, my relationship with my family, my relationship to myself. Lots of that recently, the relationship I have with my own identity. And so lots of like me and blank, even if the blank was somebody else or myself. And I didn't realize how much my relationships were impacting how I was feeling about myself. And how I carried that throughout the day, Mm. and like how I carried that throughout the week, and how I carried that throughout all of my experiences. Like, I had no idea how I was taking on all of that. Right. Mm. And again, I have a business person, I have, you know, a health person, but. Having a space where I could talk about all of it at once and how all the layers impact one another was mind-blowing for me. So for my success squad, because I've been in different containers where business coaches, we kind of just want to talk about business. I'm a social worker by trade, so I will talk about all the things that impact business, but business people just typically want to talk about business but not the layers or the onion part of all of it or the effect or the impact, right? That our lives have on that. So I think like you kind of tie in all of my different supports together. Like you kind of put a through line and tie in like, okay, I could talk with Brig about anything, anything that comes up, I can share it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think for, especially in the business world, it's like when we hear the strategy, or we hear that, or, or we're getting coaching, and it's like, but I'm still not doing it. It's understanding underneath what that conditioning is, and how our conditioning as Black women affects how we show up in business. And like to really work on unpacking that is, I think, a privilege that we get to give ourselves, like to do that work of like separating ourselves from it has to be hard and I've got to work hard and I can't be seen and I can't do this. Like why, why all of that kind of undercurrent stuff too is something I love doing. (laughs) Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. So I have a question for you. Yes. Why did you choose life coaching
0: as a niche?
1: Okay. So For me,
0: like, I really wanted to be a life coach, like the first time I saw Ariana on Oprah, and then I saw somebody else on Oprah, and then Dr. Phil was on Oprah, and I was like, I want to do that. I had to be, like, in my 20s then, because when Oprah first started, like, we're talking about 30 years ago, before kids, even 35 years ago, I was like, how do I do that? I haven't the slightest idea, so it's always kind of been in the back of my mind of like, I want to do something like that. And I don't know if you know this, but I've had several businesses. Like I had a janitorial service while I was going through nursing school. So I would nurse and like do my nursing thing, get off at three, you know, work seven to three as a nurse in Mm -hmm. school, my training And then go clean buildings from like five to nine, go home. My mom had kicked me out the house. So I was couch surfing at that time, living on whoever's couch would let me and then wake up at three in the morning, study, and then be back at work at 645 to like do another shift and then do the same thing over again. So my first business, official business was I cleaned a building and so From that, it progressed. So like you're like side hustles. I can't tell you how many online courses and everything I bought trying to be like a side hustler. And it just nothing never really clicked for me. I think right before the most significant business I had, since we're talking about business, was I bought a franchise. When I went to anesthesia school, I was single. So my thought was like, you know what? I'm going to create my own second income since I'm single. So I was like, I'm used to being broke anyway. So when I graduate, I'm just going to keep living broke and use that money and buy a franchise and support the franchise. So that's exactly what I did. I used my sign-on bonus. That was my franchise fee. And I had a senior care service that I ran through a franchise for like two and a half years. And I built that up to 500K. So not bad. (laughs) And then 207 happened when everything crashed and gas prices went up and elderly people weren't making money through their CDs anymore. And that business kind of like went down. And I think at that point I was tired of living small. And so I sold that business. And finally, like it was three years later. So I literally stayed in the same house, drove the same car, lived the same way, even though I was six figure person and would work my anesthesia job and then do sales and marketing all day, going to hospitals, talking to social workers about, here's my senior care service thing and doing in-services. So yeah, I've always had a side hustle. After I sold that, I swore off business. Like I'm never going to do business again. Like Mm. never, ever, ever. (laughs) And I think when it's in you, it's in you and you know it. And finally I was like, it's not going anywhere. Like that small whisper started getting louder and louder. And I was like, resolved. Cause I was like, I've always had a best, like it's not going anywhere. So with that in mind, when life coaching came through me and I was like, I'm going to do this. I knew I was committed to it and making it work this time. Because I knew if I quit again, cause I've done it before, it was going to just come back. So I might as well just stay with it this time.
1: <laughs> that I, I am floored. Right now, I'm floored. <laughs> Again, I'm in the presence of greatness, y'all. Oh my Whatever. God. I'm floored. The through line thought that I kept thinking while you were sharing all of that was, Black women are always hustling. Yes, aren't we? We're yeah. always hustling. Why yes. do you think that is? I mean, we talked a little bit about that.
0: I think it's because as Malcolm said, the most unprotected person, counterpart, cohort, whatever, is the Black woman. And we feel that sense of not being safe outwardly. So we try to manipulate creating that safety through the acquisition of money. And then once we get it, we realize, oh, it's internal. (laughs) But everything tells us, like, I think that's why we go for education and PhDs. There's more Black women with PhDs and everything, because it's like, if I get educated, then I'll make the money, then I'll be safe, right? I think that's why we hustle. And it's also survival need. Like, we just down for that. We're resilient. So hard work is modeled for us for the most part. So that's what we see. That's what we know. We grew up looking at our mother's. Working hard and them telling us, like, wash clothes, do have dinner ready when you know it's like we grew up working
1: hard. So I think that's why. What do you think? I think that's why too. And I also think that we're gifted. Mm. I think the success loop also feeds us as well. Like the dopamine of the achievement keeps us on that ladder as well. Right. Like I'm used to winning. I'm used to accomplishing something at the expense of my health, relationships, anything, but just to win, right? And then it gets to the point where you want to stop doing that. It's like, wait a minute, I can keep doing this, but this is not working the way that I want to, or I'm still having these thoughts and emotions, or I'm still struggling with this over here, But I think because we're so amazing and we're so successful and we keep winning, right? Like we keep getting promotions. We keep being like, thank you so much for staying late after work. We got this contract because of you. So and so like that keeps happening for me. It's like I keep smashing all of my launch goals, right? And you always talk about the dopamine, like us chasing that dopamine, that becomes more important than who we are and just us being, right? And so I think like the work that you focus on with me so much too is like DL, just be, you don't always have to accomplish. You don't always have to strive. You're a whole person, Outside of your business. Like, that's one of the things I love with you is like, I hear you talk about running. I hear you talk about being in your garden. Are you out there in your garden? How hot it is recently now? I don't know how that works in Texas, but like, you have all these things. You talk about your travel and all these things that you care about. And I think, Brig, you really demonstrate what it looks like to be successful, wildly successful. And also do the things that you care about too. And not always chase the dopamine. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because
0: I call it the success treadmill. It's like we're on that treadmill and success. And we never get off because we think if we get off, success will stop. Mm. And I'm like, but what if it didn't? What if we actually become more successful if we get off the success treadmill? And that's what my clients are finding is that I'm not a human doing, I'm a human being. And when we focus on ourselves, create our own internalized safety and security, then that's when we really do create the epic shit. And it's not because we're working harder, but when we do work, it is more valuable work. Mm. Yes, absolutely. And to your point about my life, it's like, I'm 57 years old. Listen, I didn't quit my job to create another job. I'm very clear on that. It's like, I didn't quit my job to create another job. I quit my job so that I can have more time freedom because that's the one thing. I loved my job in anesthesia. It's not like I was leaving something I hated. I loved my job, but it didn't give me the time freedom that I wanted for this part of my life. And so for me, as a life coach, my most important job is to have a life hmm. because that's what my clients want. And I think that is the revolution for us to like fucking be. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah. that's so good. Can mm-hmm. I share one of my biggest breakthroughs that I had yes. while working with you? Yes, please. Okay. It's going to sound so simple to everybody on the podcast, but it was massive for me. And I'm still kind of like, wait, it still pops up and you still have to remind me. So again, I've done a lot of relationship work with you and there was a moment in our coaching, you told me this early on, but I didn't see it probably for a few months. I want to you know, showcase too, like, it's okay. I think we just renewed, but for one whole coaching package, I pretty much just coach on the same two or three things. Like I didn't solve eureka. I didn't like find the cure to cancer. Like I was able to have really big breakthroughs in, in two or three areas of my life. But one of the biggest things, and I'm relating this to what you were saying about with safety, I think when you don't feel safe in one area, then it causes you to not feel safe in other areas. And another way I think about safety is control, right? Like, do I have control over the money that I make? And do I have control over my experience with other people, right? What if somebody does something that hurts me? Or what if they leave? Or what if they switch up or change, right? And one of the things that you said that changed my life was that no matter what I did, I cannot control someone else's thoughts about me. Even if I did everything that person said to a T, that still could not impact how they view me. Exactly. This was for so many things in my life, right? From my team to clients, to my husband, to friends, to my mother, right? Like I can check off all the boxes. And like we're talking about with success, I'm good at checking off a box, right? You tell me to do something, I'm gonna do it. That's not hard. But just realizing like I could do all of that and it's that person still may not see me the way that I wanna be seen by them. Yes, yes. And for us is to understand that
0: desire to be seen that way from there. It's like that fantasy of the good Black woman, right? Like she's so sacrificial and she works hard and she has a side hustle and she works three jobs and she's a size eight with a big ass and she can cook and like, (laughs) and she cleans house and she sexes you whenever you want. Like all of it, that fantasy of the good Black woman, it's an impossible fantasy, right? And even if you did all of that, they will still have their thoughts about you. Like at the end of it, it's exasperating because if we think our actions teach people or create people taking certain actions for us, then we're always tied on doing more. And that's why I try to break that cycle because if we think our actions are the thing, then we're always tied on doing more and we end up exhausted. And at the age of 50, if you look at us as Black women, We literally start a fast decline after 50. And I think it's because like at some point it catches up with us, right? Like all of that stress, all of that mental load, it catches up with us. And then I think our whole culture loses that benefit of having strong elderly Black women that you want to listen to that are still living their lives like that are bad. And you know what I mean? Like we miss that because of that rapid decline from 50 to 80. Like it's like, boom. I think our younger generations miss that. Like it's a void in us because we're sick and chronic depression and anxiety and everything. So, yeah. Go ahead. What was you going to say to that?
1: Yeah, I was just going to name like, 100% it has a generational impact, the way that we're taking care of ourselves. And also when you remove other people from the equation, you just have you that's left. Mm. Right. And I think that can be disorienting. Like it was disorienting for me, right? Whenever you would ask, and you ask this all the time, like, what do you want? Sometimes I struggle answering that because I'm like what do I want but I'm not used to asking myself that like do I want to do what this person is asking me to do do I want to show up the way this person is asking me to show up do I want to go here do I want to try this and I think like that's a muscle that black women are still trying to grow is leaning into like you said our own desires and leaning yes. into like what do we want? Like, we're not used to asking ourselves that question. We're just used to checking off boxes and just following the success. Yeah.
0: I think the more marginalized you are, the more safety you are in other people's perceptions of you. And we have to disattach from other people's opinion of us. It's like, we go to work thinking like, they're going to think I'm angry. So I can't say anything like other people's perceptions of us. They're going to think I don't know what I'm doing. So I have to be overconfident. I have to work hard other people's perceptions of us. It's like when other people own the power over us, it made sense that we would like try to manage other people's thoughts through us. And what we were learned is that it's our action. So let me play small, let me not whatever, but it's an inefficient route. That only thing it does, and we have to see it as that, only thing it does because it didn't work, We've been trying that for like 400 years. It hasn't worked. So I don't think it's going to work as a whole. People's opinion changes of us when they want to change, them, period. So I think we can go to a more efficient model, which is go with what we want and be who we want to be. And finally, in this point of time, we have that right. We have that possibility now for the first time in history.
1: Yes. And that leads me to my favorite Podcast episode of yours. Do you know what it is? I haven't (laughs) decided yet.
0: You know, I told you. (laughs) I was thinking, I was like, you know, the names of my podcast. Because when I go, I want to talk about the podcast and I talked about it in such and such. I'm like, oh, I don't remember which podcast that was because I don't have the name
1: of it. But I'm like, you know what? I'm not changing anything. I'm just going to (laughs) be how it is. But tell me, please. You know our calls sometimes are on Mondays, and that's when the episodes drop. So I came to you like, "Break this podcast changed my life, right?" Oh, but- I do know which one it is. Which one?
0: <laughs> attachment to form
1: blew my mind <laughs> wide open. In this line, attachment to form is attachment to suffering. Yes. And- I remember I was like picking up around my house. And when you said that, I literally dropped my laundry. And I was like, that's what it was. And for everyone who hasn't listened to that podcast episode, look, I'm going to try to explain it to, to your audience. Go ahead. But it was this idea like we're attached to form, meaning like we're attached to things being a certain way, people showing up a certain way the example that you said too was like, I have to buy this specific house. Like this was the house that I want to buy. Right. We're just so attached or like for me in a launch is like, I want 35 people. If it's 32, I'm a failure. Right. And, I definitely have just lived my life that way, where I was like, people have to show up just like this, or they have to say things like this, or I need my body to be a certain way, or I need this to happen exactly the way that I want to. And when you said attachment to form is attachment to suffering, I just realized all of the ways in my life where... I put so much emphasis on how something had to look specifically or what someone specifically had to say about me. And if it wasn't that one, the 99 didn't matter. Right. And how much striving I did to achieve that from a place of safety, from a place of success, from a place of like chasing that one particular thing. Yes, yeah, So good. Right. I look at it at my clients when they're
0: like, it has to be this thing. Like there was one client who had to have this one house and there was so much suffering with it because it didn't happen the way she wanted to. And then six months later, she found another house, right? It was always, I was like, no, or this one client who like, I don't want to go anywhere, but they weren't seeing her value. Like she was doing everything, working herself to absolute exhaustion And they wasn't seeing her value, but she didn't want to go anywhere. She was attached to form. Like, I'm supposed to be successful here. Not, I want to be successful doing what I love doing. That can be anywhere. And if they don't see it, fine. It's like trying to make the guy that we think wants us or doesn't want us, like he's the one. As opposed to, no, the goal is to have a loving relationship. And we forget the goal in lose it in the form, like, but it's got to come from this one. No, it doesn't. (laughs) It never does. Like when we realize our ability to create, we can create whatever we want in any area. There's so many roads. And when one door closes, there's always another one. Yeah, exactly.
1: I realized that in the sense of, I was really attached to this one particular thing, like very, very attached to it. We coached and coached and coached and coached and coached. And then I remember that I expanded to other possibilities and it opened me wide up. And I remember us getting back on the call and you're like, DL, you created that. You created all these other opportunities. When you were so attached to that one thing, you probably didn't create these other 10 amazing things that you have right now. And it just broke me wide open in so many ways. So good. So good. So what else do you want to talk about? <laughs> this, I, this is I a wanna, shared podcast. Yeah. I want to ground this a little bit mm-hmm. in the sense of like, okay, but what actually is life coaching? <laughs> right? So right. Like what actually is it? How would obviously as life coach and you know, we have the same certification from the life coach mm-hmm. school too. So mm-hmm. obviously I know about life coaching, but you do the work more than I do. How would you describe life coaching?
0: Hmm. How would I describe life coaching? And it's so funny because I consider myself a life coach, but I consider myself like, a yeah, I'm a good general life and business coach. I don't say business a lot, but I do coach on like our mindset around it. But it's really like I'm just a life coach because life gives us distractions. Like I'm not enough or this relationship or this size or whatever, when there's a distraction in our brain, it takes us away from showing up in a way and enjoying our life. And so I think as a life coach, my primary job is to help you or help my clients, whatever that area is, is a distraction to just see it clearly and understand why. And for me, it's my number one job is improving their relationship with themselves. Like, why is that a distraction? What are you making it mean? What's the story underneath it and why? And lovingly accepting all of you. It's like, there's a part of me at the end of it is like, compassion, acceptance, and let's go. Like, if I could say it any other way, I'm sure you can probably say it better than me, like (laughs) what it is, but it really is compassion, acceptance, and let's go.
1: I like those stages. Yeah. Right. No. And that's exactly what it is. I would say the beauty of like life coaching is, I already touched on this, but I'll share it in a different angle. I can literally bring anything to you. And there's very rare spaces where one can do that. And I also just think you're an example of what's possible in the sense of you're a general life coach that makes a lot of money. And I love how you threw in business coaching because we talked about that in Louisville where I was like, Rick, you know a thing or two about business, right? And now look at you now knowing your story and all the different businesses that you've been able to do. But I think life coaching is really looking at all the different layers of your life and how they impact one another. And I love how you use the word distraction. Like what's the distraction from your truest self from what you are set out to do and what you want to create and how you want to feel. And that distraction could be lots of different things. It could be your weight. It could be your family. It could be your inability to stay consistent. Like I was just looking around my house and I was like, I want to have a professional organizer. Right. I was like, and I could talk to Brig about that. Like, how do I actually organize my home better? And all these different distractions can look different they can sound different they can feel different but just having one person to come and talk all about it with and how they relate and for you as the coach to see through lines like remember we actually saw this come up with this thing that you wouldn't even think it was related but it was like it's just so helpful and valuable
0: i love that here's the deal i have to say i love that my clients can tell me what i do better than i can <laughs> Like I would be on TikTok or Instagram or something and I would have just coached a client on something and then they have their eureka moment and then they go do a live and it is amazing. And I'm like, I think that's what I said. That's what we coached on. But it's like your brilliance with it is amazing. And I really do for me as a life coach. And I've always said and I always get teary eyed every time I say it so I know I'm in the right space is. My vision is always like I'm at the back of the audience with tears running down my eyes and my client is in a major auditorium, like a stadium, rocking the stage. Like that is my dream. And for a lot of people, like they want to be the person on the stage. I know I have to be on small stages so that my clients will see me and get me. But my goal is for my clients actually to be on those bigger stage Because I know the work that we did to get there. Like, I know what we went through. But I think my superpower is demonstrating compassion for wherever you are and helping you calm down. Like, this isn't a problem. We're going to fix this. Imagine going to a doctor and they're like, oh, shit, I don't know what to do. (laughs) Right? Or like, I know exactly what this is. Here's the steps. It may take us a while, but we're going to get there. and that's kind of how I see my clients. It's like, I know exactly what this is. And the longer that I work with you, I start seeing patterns and like recognizing those patterns and showing them up to you. And somehow I have the best memory of like, you remember when such and such and such and such and and bring that in. And it's like, I just see the thread. I see it. And the longer we work, the more I see it. And it's sometimes when I'm coaching, I feel like it, I don't know if you do this, but I feel like it's the matrix. It's like, I see, I literally see the thing. I remember when I was in Palm Springs, I told one of my friends that I was like, do you see it? Like the matrix? It's like, I see the thought and I see all the things And she was like, no. And I was like, yeah, I kind of see that. (laughs) So that's when you get those looks like, (laughs) which I think is a coaching superpower. You can talk about my looks if you want to.
1: No, it's like the portal being opened, right? It's like everything being revealed 100%. My clients say the same thing, like the memory that you have. I think the language is memory, but really like you can see the client's patterns and you can see like what's happening 100%. Yeah. Especially for high achieving Black women where we're very business or career focused, right? We're talking a lot about business, but this could easily translate into corporate, right? Right. Or even if you're family focused, like that's your thing that you keep zoning in on and you work at every single day to scan up and realize like, I'm a whole person with all these other things going on other than that. And how that impacts that, right? How you show up to that thing, right? How I show up to my launches, how I show Mm -hmm. up to my own clients, how I show up to my business, right? Like my life impacts all those other things. I think it's major. Yes, it's like in a
0: world that tells Black women we are not enough. Can there be one place where we like see intentionally create our enoughness? And what I do is teach my clients how to create their enoughness on purpose. Because there's one thing like to get the rah-rah speech and like oh da 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 da, but the actual implementation of it. Weekly, completely rewiring. This is what you're doing. Oh, okay. Let me self-correct. Okay. This is what you're doing. Oh, okay. I see it. Let me self-correct. We think that process should be, I coach on it one time and then miraculously I'm healed. No. Right. When you talked about like, we worked on two or three major things throughout the thing. Like I remember doing the same thing with my coach. Like that's never a problem when my client brings the same thing. We still have an issue with that. I'm like, of course you are because it's wired and the process of rewiring Is never through beating ourselves up, but it's through compassion, warmth, and self acceptance. I know I have this harsh exterior, but inside, I'm like I'm harsh about you being compassionate with yourself. What you're not going to do is beat yourself up in front of me. Like that's my harshness that people see, and so many people think that I'm scared to coach with Brig. Oh my God! But I'm like, I don't know. You tell me. I think I'm really a big mama, and some people say mama energy like a bad one, but I'm actually caring. Like. I work real hard to be compassionate because I know that's the way and warmth is the way. And as Black women, we never give ourselves
1: warmth. We're not taught to. You tell me. Yes, extremely warm. You know, we've met up a few times now in person. And I remember like we would meet up in a group or whatever. And then like we would go back to our hotel rooms and I always saw a text message from you. Like I always saw you saying something like, I love you, I'm thinking about you, are you okay? You always say things like that. And I love how you describe it. Like you're harsh about compassion, right? <laughs> you're nodding a lot. Like you're harsh about compassion because we have such, a—I want to say deficit. Like it's not necessarily a deficit, but we struggle even knowing what that is and knowing how to give that to ourselves. I feel like you are really trying to demonstrate So we can start doing it on our own. So I feel like that's the perfect way to describe it.
0: Yes, totally. I think that's when we start putting our epic shit out. I think it's when we get to that self-acceptance because beating ourselves up only gets us so far. And we're too brilliant. Like you said, we're gifted. But to get off the treadmill, create our own internalized safety and take that shit even further is our next step. Yeah, And it requires us using a different formula than the formula we've been using, the formula we've been told.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. All
0: right. Anything else? (laughs) Did we leave anything out? What do you think the impact has been of, I know we kind of talked about it, but like, what's the impact of you just like working with me? Because I know you signed up again. You were like, I'm signing up. we like, we don't even need to talk about it. I'm signing up. (laughs)
1: and I'm signing up again. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes,
0: Right. What's the impact you think for Mm. you as a high achieving woman, if you can sum it up, like what would be the impact of doing this work and having this container?
1: It's going to sound really simple, but again, the ability, I remember there was one coaching session we had where I said, you know, you'd be typically check in, like, what do you need coaching on? And I looked at you, I was like, everything but nothing at the same time. And you were like, that's where we're trying to be. And I was a little confused. And you are like, when you see things happening in your life, right? And you see them and they could be labeled as a problem, but you do the work to be like, that's actually not a problem. So it's everything and nothing at the same time. That's actually where we're supposed to be, where we can see things pop up. We could somebody can say something. Somebody can do something. This may not go our way. We might lose out on that. We don't hit a goal. We gain five extra pounds. The doctor said this, whatever it is, like something pops up and we're like, okay, how do I want to address this? Instead of going down the tumbleweed, the spiral of whatever that one particular thing is. So I will never forget you saying that. I was like, everything and nothing. And you're like, yes, (laughs) yes, that's exactly where we want to be. And so I think just going back to what I was saying, like, I didn't realize how much I was carrying Like everyone's thoughts about me, my thoughts about myself, the circumstances of my business, the circumstances of my family. Like, I was just carrying and trying to change and attach to the form of all of those things. But through our work together, I've just been gently letting them down and letting them be one thing at a time. You know, we say this all the time, especially in life coaching. I feel lighter, right? But like, you physically feel lighter because you're not carrying so many things, even though everything can be happening. None of it has to impact you so deeply.
0: Yes. So good. One of the marks for a lot of my clients is like their reactivity has mm. gone down. Like they just start noticing, like, I didn't even respond the way is that sense of self, that sense of safety. You're not always in fight or flight. Like we get to go to that sense of security and rest in that part of the brain. And, you know, I just love working with the brain and how it, and rewiring it. And like, I geek out on it. And I think that's my matrix part. It's like, yeah, I I know which part of the brain I'm like reinforcing. I'm like, okay, we're gonna keep reinforcing that until that's a neural pathway. Oh, like, yep, there's that neural pathway. It's there. Like, I literally start seeing it weaving as I'm like thinking about my clients and where they are. Because I think, imagine having a whole bunch of luggage going uphill and you're just tired and like there's this big mountain and there's this plateau. And in the plateau, it's like, this looks pretty good. Like when you're tired and you have a whole bunch of baggage, you're like, I think I'm gonna stay right here. This looks pretty doggone good. This is a good view. It's all right. Because you're like the thought of going back up and carrying all of that luggage. But if you can actually start dropping that luggage off, you may rest at the plateau. If you don't have to pick up all that luggage and keep going, there's another plateau in another area. And that's where I want my clients to be. So I'm so glad you said it that way. Like you just feel lighter. We get to drop that shit. Other people's opinions of us and where we are. That's where I'm harsh at is like in our not enoughness. It's like, no, we some bad asses. Mm-hmm. I don't want us to start seeing that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm so grateful for you, Brig. I'm grateful for you. All right. I think that's it. I think we covered everything. <laughs> yeah. Where can the listeners connect with you on my show? At yeah, Breakthrough of Breath, this podcast. <laughs> also,
0: Johnson Brig Instagram and com for uh, my website.
1: And what about you? Yes. Just banked just banked and booked. You didn't even tell people like, what was your revenue last year? Oh, my gosh. So we did 500K in 2021 and we're already at 500K for 2022. So this is going to be my million dollar year. And we're so excited. So excited. Right, y'all? Did y'all hear that? 500K for 2021, already
0: at 500K for 2022. That says it all. Like (laughs) When you manage your mind, you can put your epic shit out there. Not that you wouldn't have done it with or without me. I totally think you would have. I just think it would have been a different experience.
1: 100%. Yeah. Right. Totally.
0: Okay. Tell them all about you, where they find you.
1: Yes. You can find me at DL Sharon on all the places, DL Sharon on Instagram, DL And my podcast is Black Banked and Booked Out. Mm -hmm. Yes. Love it. So
0: if you are coach wanting to get banked and booked out, (laughs) go take a look at her. All right love you want to say it publicly i know i say it privately all the time but love you <laughs>
1: love you too brick thank you so much
0: you are welcome oh and deeply rooted is open go join dot <laughs> johnson.com forward slash group to get on the wait list and yeah get on the wait list and you get all the information all right bye did you enjoy this podcast where i have a personal invitation I want to spend time with you, coach you, talk about the issues that are affecting you. We do this in a community we call the Melanin Hour, created just for us high-achieving Black women. You can register at brickjohnson.com forward slash coaching. And don't forget, Deeply Rooted is where we put all this shit together. We immerse ourselves and we master this. Six months, you, me, and a bunch of women that look like you and got a little melanin in them. (laughs) That's Deeply Rooted. You can register for the wait list at BrickJohnson.com forward slash group. Hope to see you there. Bye.